0: Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home fort, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. two days before the anniversary of the landing on Iwo Jima February 19th, actually today they did if I'm not mistaken, today they did an amphibious reconnaissance and um, the Navy uh, got hammered in it Uh, they took a bunch of uh, what are they called LCMs their landing craft uh, not very heavy and they hit it for the beach and uh, Japanese shore batteries opened up on them and uh, sunk a few of the Navy ships did damage to others and killed a bunch of sailors so I believe that happened on this date in uh, 1945 so as a Iwo Jima guy that's today but uh, the landing comes tomorrow the um uh tomorrow on uh the 19th which would be Friday I had a chance last night to watch um to get a preview view of Ken and Betty Rogers documentary called I Married the War. And um, so I watched it sitting here in my office by myself. And it was odd the impact it had on me at the end of it. Right? Uh-huh. Um I just uh I, I don't even know how how do I say it I just um I felt the need to be alone kind of weird um and I felt the need to be quiet which is odd for me I don't feel that often um And so um the movies a very, very, very honest look at what it is to be a caregiver for somebody who goes off to war. And um, the women in there are incredibly honest with what it's been like for them. And how difficult it is. And you don't see the the, the guys featured... You don't see the guys featured... The husbands featured. Um, I don't think any of them have a speaking part in it. And uh, they're shown kind of in the background. As the story focuses on what it is to watch somebody you know, marry somebody and then see them change in front of you. Um, and these women talk about the, you know, the explosive anger they experience being the go-between between somebody who's changed and, and children who don't understand it but know something's wrong, something's different. And um, and I'll read you just some of the... I wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven lines from the movie. That resonated with me. Uh, one is never got over it, right? Which is um, the first commandment of post traumatic winning. Um, you're not going to get over it ever. And here you have somebody very early in the, uh, very early in the documentary saying that straight up. Um, another line. And this talks about faking it, right? This talks about not talking about it, right? And that is the, the whole, you know, phrase, alone, right? In the same room. Um, so that you're with this person, but you feel, um, but you feel alone, right? Um, so that line kind of stuck out to me. And then... One of the women, whose husband, I believe, is a Vietnam veteran, uh, said they went to family therapy, and the family met with the husband independently, the wife independently, and the kids independently, and then he brought them all together. And a phrase from her husband um, that she, he's not in it, but she is, right? You know, she said that he said, I have to be better. I have to be better. And and I will tell you this, I mean, I think the path to our statistics if you look at how horrible our statistics are relative to suicide and, and whatnot and how they they go up and up and up and up. Um and, and I have a I have a slide now in the presentation that shows suicide, both the rate and totals since, I want to say, let me find it. Uh, The 90s. But give me a second as I scroll through 200 slides and I get to the start (laughs) and I find the appropriate slide. And here it is. So active duty suicide, right, by the numbers. First of all, the numbers uh, change. Total numbers change because the peace dividend coming out of the dismantling of the Soviet Union, the peace dividend um, reduces the DoD by about a million. okay? So when you look at total numbers, um, what you tend to see, is you know lower numbers, but don't be don't be fooled by that. the reason the numbers went got lower is because the number of active duty military went from about two point something million to one point three million, okay, so a substantial reduction um a substantial reduction and i I would venture to say that Suicide, you know, well, I'll talk about race. But anyway, in the year 1998, suicide's at 150. And if you, and so by, let's see, let's take 10 years later. So 2009, suicide is 302. It doubles. If you draw a trend line, and on that trend line, you connect the lowest numbers. Right. You have <clears throat> in this between 1999 and 2019, you have virtually uh, so that's 20 years. You have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 of the 20 years are above the trend line. OK. And that's just as uh, every year. You know, you started nineteen ninety nine, and then two thousand two is a low year, right? Two thousand is a is above the line, right? Two thousand two, so you connect that with the line, so the line would would reflect the lowest year annual increases, and you would link that for twenty years. Thirteen, you know. Thirteen of the twenty years are above those lines it's amazing it's amazing and so suicide doubles between 1999 and 2009 and then between 2009 and 2019 it goes up another 40 people so the next 10 years it goes from 302 Goes from 302, which is really a high year in 2009. Really a high year. It goes from 302 to 340. So up almost another 50, you know, another, another, well, another 40 bodies. Okay. So, um, and it's supposed to have gone up 20% this year. So 10% is is 34, right? 20% 20% is another 60. So the number would be close to 400 this year, which would, I mean, so from 2009, 302, to 2020, 400. So you can see this the numbers. Uh, the rate was at 0.01% in two thousand. In 1999, by 2009, the rate is 0.019%. So it's almost 2%. So the rate is almost doubled. We cross, and it continues to increase. 2019, it is 0.026. So the suicide rate in the DOD is going up. So I think those numbers are important. Right to understand, and that's the rate of suicide goes up. So what we're doing, the approach that's being taken, I mean, you don't need to be a statistical genius to look at this and say it's not working very well. Not working very well. And and the question is why? And so the the quote and and, and the reason that I would tell you why is we seem to think as people That when life punches us in the mouth, no matter what the the source of your trauma is, when life punches you in the mouth, we can continue to live our lives the way we've lived them, and it's going to work out. And I'm here to tell you, if you believe that, you're absolutely wrong. You have got to change things in your life to evolve as your life is evolved in in front of you, right? And so what this guy says, his wife says, is I've got to be better. I've got to be better, which means I've got to change. I've got to change the way. So, you know, I think when people think of meditation, I'll I'll just give you an example, right? And I've talked about this on the program before, but, you know, my... Achilles heel with meditation is, you know, women in yoga pants, in a studio, a lot of glass, a lot of wood, right, kind of beautiful setting, you know, breathing through your nose with your mind centered, right, in that whatever lotus position I think it is, you know, and, you know, that's meditation. Well, I don't think that's very functional. I would recommend to you, you know, Max Mind Meld. And that is for 60 seconds at different times during the day, right, you know, whether you close your eyes or not is is up to you, but you slow your breathing down and you just clear your head, get the smoke out of there, get the venom out of there and bring your brain back to a very, very calm place. Now, you can do it while you're driving. You can do it while you're standing in line at the grocery store. To me, it's functional. It's a functional tool. And again, I still wear my dog tags as a reminder of the things that I have to do so I don't get angry and click off safe and and ruin not only my day, but the day of my kids or whoever I'm with. And to me, that's that's all chunked under, I've got to be better. Well, how do you be better? Do you continue to drink as much? Do you continue to fake it and not talk about it? So, you can see the behaviors that we need to get out of this thing, this valley of the shadow of the death that I call it, and get up the sidewall of that canyon, right? We tend to do the exact opposite. We need not to fake it with the people that are close to us. We need to tell them the truth. We need to talk about it. We need to have, right, techniques and procedures in our back pocket. That we can, you know, that we can go ahead and employ, right, throughout the course of the day, okay, throughout the course of the day, not this week, not this this month, and it has to be a conscious effort to be better, a conscious effort to be better. And again, what I see so often is, I don't really want to do these things, I can deal with this. And if you think going and talking to your therapist once a week is the answer, look at the statistics. Look at what they tell us that that treatment protocol gets us more suicide, more ruined life. So anyway, all that chunked under that. Um, And then another thing under that, uh, later in the documentary, we've got to talk, you've got to talk to me. I I want to say this woman is, her her husband's either a World War II veteran or a Vietnam veteran. You've got to talk to me. We've got to be a team. And then she said, sometimes we just sat together and held hands and nobody said a word. Another line is, we couldn't talk. And I would say that's where a lot of people post-trauma go. You couldn't understand what I've been through right and because i love you i'll never go there with you that's a form of hiding in my opinion it's a form of hiding i don't want to reconcile you know i don't want to go there but the truth is you got to go there that's the path out of where you're at so that struck me as well um another girl another girl another woman that's that's featured in the documentary um was asked by Betty, I think it's Betty's voice, says, if you could give yourself some advice before getting involved in this relationship, what would it be? And she said, put on your big girl panties. And then the last thing I wrote down came from another woman whose husband, Medal of Honor recipient in World War II. And she said, "As he's gotten older, it's all come back. It's all come flooding back." And she she tells stories that you know they live in the community that has a lot of Japanese people in it. Uh, Japanese people were brought to the community um, during World War II as part of the internment camp system, and uh, and then many of them stayed afterwards. And that her husband doesn't want him in the house. Right he fought against them in uh in World War two, and she says, "You know it makes my life very difficult. These are beautiful people, they're great friends of mine, and yet as he's gotten older, all of this comes flooding back so to me, the urgency to deal with it um is pretty important pretty important the um but it's not it's coming out here um I was uh very fortunate enough." that uh, Betty sent me an email last week when I was traveling and said, hey, Mac, if you want to watch the, the documentary, uh, we're offering sneak a sneak preview and uh, we'd love for you to take a look at it. And so I was able to do that last night. But the, at the end of it, um, I was just quiet. And, and I noted it as I, you know, shut the lights off in my house and got ready to go to bed. Um, it, I It just, it left me in a very, very, quiet place, and I I would say wanting to be by myself, and maybe that's just the impact of of somebody taking you to a place where you already spend a lot of time, and you're going into kind of like the holy of holies, and spending time there. Uh, The other thing it did for me was um, validate and encourage the work that I do which is so important to help people that are in this in this place, no matter what traumatic events have gotten them there. Um, because when I see this stuff, I think I can help. And and one of the things I think is so important is this. I think the solution for military people, guys in particular, well, in for everybody. Gender aside, it has to come from inside the culture. Because we are so obstinate about people that we don't think are like us. Uh, We tend to be so um, uh, judgmental. And so I think it's so important that the culture opens those doors. And I don't mean mental health professionals in the culture. Because we don't accept that. I mean, senior people with incredible uh, credibility open doors. And I'll tell you just a quick story that happened to me uh, two days ago, uh, not even, 36 hours ago. Get a call from a sergeant major. Hey, you know, I just got a call from so-and-so, not doing good. Um, Can you... Can you talk to him? I think I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, Can you talk to him tomorrow? I said, why can't I talk to him right now? And he said, well, you could. And I said, well, let me know. So we talked. So I I said, look, here's what I want you to do. Just watch the first hour. Now, here's what's important about the tribe. The sergeant, the the guy's not in the Marine Corps anymore. He reaches out to the sergeant major because he respects him. He used to be his sergeant major in an infantry battalion. So there's that credible link. Of, that I experienced with my company, Gunny, the day of the helicopter crash. Somebody who you respect, you know, and and the respect is off the chart, right? That kind of credibility. Who comes in and tells you the truth. Luke Weichel was on yesterday, and he and I had a similar experience. And that opens the door. And so I, uh, so he calls me yesterday. And he didn't sound real great <laughs> two, uh, two nights ago. He didn't sound real great. He had been drinking. Shocker, right? And you should have heard the toning of his voice yesterday. It's amazing. And he's talking about the video and holy shit, man, holy shit, man, holy shit, man, holy shit, man. And I said, yeah, dude, you're, you're in a great business. You're going you're gonna to start doing this right? He's a guide, an outfitter, right? So hunting and fishing, you're going to be able to do this and you're going to be able to change people's lives. And the tone in his voice. And I sent the Sergeant Major a text message. And I said, Hey man, give that dude a call. I want, I just want you to hear his voice. And he sent me back a really nice text message. And, and I said, no, man, look, it doesn't happen. And it's my point. The steps to make this get better is the credibility of a friend, the credibility of somebody who you respect, who looks at you and says, hey, you've got to take a look at this. And that credibility, you know, military guys struggle with it when it doesn't come from within our tribe. And so that's why I think it's so important that it does. And then, okay, so what about if you're not in the military? It's somebody who's a credible friend who looks at you and says hey have I ever told you anything like this no okay I'm telling you <laughs> I'm telling you that you've got to check this out so anyway um Grant Newsom going to join us here in a few minutes but uh yeah Ken and Betty Rogers nice done man nice done well done I you know and I will get him on the program not this week um, because the Mensa brothers will come on tomorrow, and then I think Kim and Greg are coming on on Friday. I will get Ken and Betty on separately, which is my, which is what I'd like to do because their perspectives are very separate, right? Ken's a veteran, so he's a consumer of the stuff, and uh, Betty is uh she is a she's a caregiver, and so, um, but she's a really interesting one, <laughs> so. Um, anyway, good morning to you on this 17th day of February. United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. And then uh, Gretchen Newsom will join us. So, good morning. <music> This is dedicated to guys, um, well, three, four people, right, to a sergeant major who picked up the phone and said, could you help somebody, to a Marine that's, a uh, former Marine that's making, I know there's no such thing as former Marines, but he's not on active duty anymore, um, non-active duty Marine, <laughs> um, who's he's turning his life around, and then to Ken and Betty uh, for graciously allowing me to watch their documentary. So it's dedicated to all of them who had an impact on my life yesterday. So, this is to you.
1: Challenging conditions and odds. You, can win. you gotta win.
0: We gotta check the weather right now. Then we gotta talk to Grant Newsham. That's what we gotta do. Currently in Quantico, it is sunny in 32. Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune, partly sunny in 45. 29 Palms sunny in 47. Pendleton, clouds at 46. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 73. Okinawa cold, man. Dark cloudy 54. Darwin, where it's never cold, it is dark cloudy in 81. And it's snowing in Norway, Oslo. Yep. Snowing in 29 degrees. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, it is mostly cloudy in 49. Looking for a high today of 63 degrees today, 69 tomorrow, 66 on Friday, 66 on Saturday, and 73 on Sunday. Poosh! That's right, man. March comes, summer is here. That's the way it works in Southern California. All right, that is a uh, that is a look at your weather and uh I'm gonna play like a little bit of a transition sound and then uh through the magic of uh electronic communications that are now global. Yeah, you heard me, global, um Grant Newsham will join us. And joining us right now from uh somewhere on the western side of the Pacific Ocean is Grant Newsham. Grant, first of all, it's been a while. I've been away uh, doing some other work. But uh, th- thank you very much for doing this. And uh, welcome welcome home. Your fans are clamoring for you, in case you don't know. Oh, good. Well, I'm. Um,
1: it's been a while, so I'm full of resentments. <laughs> and just brimming with them, yes.
0: The, um, so give us an update on all things relative to the Pacific Rim. Single most significant thing going on. Uh, in the Pacific Rim is what? Give me the top three, in your opinion, the top three issues right now, relative uh, to the United States and the Pacific Rim.
1: Well, that's a good one. Thank the, you. Thank you. I think it's the, the Biden administration. You know, Anytime you get a new administration taking over, uh, that the, not just us, but the, the Asians, they wonder what's going to happen. Um, and they're wondering now that Biden is in, and that so many of the people around him uh, are people they've seen before. So there's a lot around, there's a lot of trepidation, I would say, around, uh, around the, the region um, about what the Americans are going to do. And normally it wouldn't be such a huge thing, but you've just got China has reached a point. Where it feels that it's big enough and powerful enough to do whatever it feels like, and uh, you know, might make right is is the how you describe their thinking, and they're just reaching a point where you know something's going to happen. I'd say within the next couple of years. Uh, so that's the I'd say the Biden presidency is the big one, um, to my way of thinking. Uh, the other one, which is an interesting one, hasn't gotten so much attention, is that the uh, Trump administration, on the way out, they declared that the the Chinese communist regime uh, has committed genocide in Xinjiang in uh, West East right. Turkestan where the Muslims live, right. and that is a significant thing because they, they it's there's a legal definition of genocide, and the administration representing the United States of America said China has committed genocide. Um, and that puts the the Amer puts the Americans, it puts the new administration, and it puts the, the entire civilized world in a bind. Because how do you deal with a country that is trying to wipe out an entire race? Uh, do you just ignore it? Do business with them? Do you go to the next Olympics? Uh, you know, what do you do? And so that is actually um, sort of a, a point of controversy or that has arisen in the last couple of months. And it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, so that would be number two. And I'll wait for number three that will come up sometime while we're talking. Got it. Uh, Got it. But it is that new administration which really gets, uh, gets people's attention because there is a lot of, uh, a lot of doubt nobody likes to say it but there's plenty of it
0: So so plenty of doubt what are the implications of that that China will be more aggressive um, and uh, and everybody without American leadership uh, that they've seen over the course of the last uh, four months because if you'd have told me you know where is this headed, let's just say a year ago, before COVID happened, the economy's going gangbusters. It looks like Donald Trump's going to get reelected or there'd have to be something very, very crazy happen, like a world pandemic and some other stuff. But anyway, um, I would say that, look, with American leadership confronting China, right, you are going to see the free nations of the world for the first time in many, many years, decades, stand together And say, look, the rules-based order is the way we do this thing. You're going to have to come to us. I would have told you that would be the future, at least from my my perspective. Um, The nations, you know, South Korea, Japan, um, the Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, India, Australia, that has its own confrontation going on with all the superpowers on the planet, Google, Facebook, and China. Um, They... um, How, how do they view this? You know, we use the word trepidation. Um, Are they? You know, what's the future hold?
1: Well, they're worried, and it's it's not. There's a couple things at least, and and one is.
0: And and let me just let me qualify that. So, what's the future hold if 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 Joe Biden? And his administration assumes the same political posture as Barack Obama did, which is essentially leave China to do what they would.
1: (laughs) I think what you will find in fairly short order is the the Chinese will make a move in the East China Sea and push the Japanese out uh, in that area around the Senkaku Islands at the bottom of the Ryukyu.
0: Well, just so you know... The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, said we would defend the Senkaku Islands. I don't know if you know that, but he said that.
1: Yeah, well, everybody says it, but wait till the Chinese show up. You know, he said it, but are the the Japanese and the Americans doing joint exercises down there? Not that anyone knows of. Uh, They're afraid to be seen together down there. Uh, There's two maritime firing ranges the Americans have access to near the Senkakus. They haven't used these since the Jimmy Carter era. Is there some reason they couldn't? No. Uh, So, no, I don't see the concrete evidence, actually, that that America is willing to to actually fight. And as the naysayers would say, risk nuclear war over some rocks down there. Uh, There's things you have to do right now, and I don't see they're being done. Um, Certainly not with this 60 day stand down to root out extremism. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah that's gonna kind of do um, there's bigger problems than that.
0: Hey uh, but, don't well, that's
1: another story. Don't but, kid
0: but, your don't kid yourself. that's uh, us you. finding like those six idiots is right at the top of <laughs> the president's agenda yeah.
1: okay yeah, no, yeah, come no on problem that Chinese anti-ship missiles go uh about 75 miles farther than ours at least and they're supersonic and ours aren't. Uh, that's a small problem. Uh, So but anyway, I think you're going to see the Chinese make a push in the East China Sea. Uh, And I don't think that we have steeled ourselves to to fight. I don't think we've convinced the Chinese of that. Uh, Taiwan will come under increasing pressure. uh, And you're going to include, I would say that the Chinese would probably go after one of the small Taiwanese owned islands uh, closer to China and the ones down in the South China Sea uh, first and, you know, set, send a message saying we've done that and you're next if you don't knuckle under. Uh, and that's some of the pressure that they could put on. They so so keep-
0: you think that those things will, ha- will come to pass if the Biden administration goes down the same road as the Obama administration did? that those two things will come to pass.
1: I really do. You know, it's, and it's, how would you compare it? If you've you've ever played sports, well, you know that you'd know a little bit about the subject. I Um, I do. You know, you can have to, you can have teams that, you know, that they all look, that they look good. You know, they've got uniforms and, you know, they look like good athletes and just one of them has, it's got the, the moral superiority over the other. You know, when they, You know, they they know that they're going to, you know, that they're going to win. It's sort of like when Don Meredith used to play the Redskins or, you know, take your pick. But you just knew that the Redskins were going to lose. And that's what you get when you get an administration in Washington. And it doesn't have to. I'm not, you know, I hope it's not the Biden administration, but we've seen others. When the other side knows that, when the other side says, okay, we're going to fight. And if, you know, if uh, you raise your fist, we are going to kill you. Uh, The other side, if one side isn't prepared to go all in, they're going to lose. The other guy has the the upper hand, the psychological advantage. And I'm afraid that that is how uh, this administration may be seen, is that while you have guys who talk a good game and you know, say the right things, that the other side knows that if they send their ship somewhere and say, if you touch them, uh, we're going to shoot, that the other side will, they know they will back down. If, if the contest were between, say, Washington and Beijing, if it was over, who could write the best essay, you know, and refer to some long forgotten German foreign minister and, <laughs> you know, make a very reason, reasoned case, we'd probably win. Uh, but if it's, you know, parking five, 10,000 ton Coast Guard cutters a mile off of the Senkakus and telling the Japanese, if you come, you know, be ready to fight and telling the Americans quietly, uh, you too. You know What are you going to do at that point? And if you're not, the other side doesn't size you up as being serious and, and willing to not just match them, but to make life really miserable for them, then they're going to push. And that's what I'm concerned with uh, with this new administration uh, once again. And it's not that they want to lose, and but it's simply they're I'm not sure they're uh, tough enough. And you know, also if you look at a lot of these people's business interests before they joined this administration, uh, some of them were doing a lot of business with China, uh, and you'll notice their websites are scrubbed of that now. But That's a problem as well. The other side knows, well, we've been, you know, you've been on our payroll, basically. So, you know, how seriously are they going to take their threats? Right. The Secretary of State Blinken was the head of the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania. There's 20 million and a lot more than that. But there's 20 million in Chinese money that went to that center that is not accounted for in terms of where it came from. That's got to cause you some concern. And if you're the other side, well, you know, the, uh, it, as I say, it gives you an upper hand. So I'm um, I'm worried, you know, but it is early and you do want people to succeed. And, you know, you hope they do get it right. But if the Chinese smell weakness, uh, they will be coming. And they say East China Sea against Japan will be one place, uh, Taiwan as well. The, the pressure will just increase and increase. And the economic pressure that they're going to... Uh, Start, you know, or continue. Um, there, you're going to see that continue against Australia. They've even picked on New Zealand recently, despite New Zealand um, sort of rolling over for the Chinese and placating them. Uh, and just, it's going to get rougher and rougher. Would be my my sense of it.
0: Um, the World Health Organization was recently in China. Um, did you see? Did you see their findings? <laughs> What'd you think of that? Were you were you shocked at what you, at what they found? What what what, what
1: was? Uh, I, I was as shocked as John Banner um, when he noticed that that Hogan's guys were uh, were not in the barracks. No, I, that's a reference. <laughs> You'd have to be. You'd have to be our age, our
0: age to to It'd find to start that Hogan's
1: funny. Hogan, Hogan's heroes. The, see nothing, you know, know nothing. Where most
0: dumb. of us learned about the German military when we were young.
1: <laughs> but I probably learned most of my spoken German from that show. Exactly.
0: Too. Exactly.
1: But the, but the, yeah, uh, the Bill Lind
0: be damned, that's where I learned about the German army.
1: I'm with you. But the <laughs> um, um, but no, you know, and the the whole thing is so mind it's just brazenly stupid that anyone who thinks that anyone would take this seriously uh, is is an idiot. Well, maybe they're not because they've sized up the people they're dealing with. Um, But anyone on our side who says that this was a legitimate investigation is is wrong. Uh, You read the the account of it. The Chinese didn't hand over the information they were supposed to. They took them to locations that were obviously scrubbed. Uh, They didn't let them see what they were supposed to see, and then World Health Organization comes back and says everything looked great. And World Health Organization's uh, reputation has long since been shot. You know, from, from day one. Uh, but think about it. You know, you've got a crime committed somewhere. Um, you know, say out in Oceanside somewhere, and you know, it happens, and the police they don't seal off the area. Um, but they kind of look around a little bit and they say something happened here and, and they don't let the real investigators come. And then about a, what is it? a year later now, say a year later, they then say, OK, you can come and investigate and the detectives can come uh, and look anywhere you want. Well, a lot's happened in a year and there's nothing to see there. And if the investigators come and say, well, we didn't see anything, but well, what do you expect? Uh, So that whole charade with the World Health Organization team uh, that went uh, to China is it tells you what you need to know about Chinese culpability for this Chinese virus, uh, but also the nature of that regime and also the nature of people who are on the Chinese payroll. Uh, There were people on that investigative team uh, who have or to put it simply are really compromised uh, by the Chinese in terms of doing taking a lot of money from them their connections with them uh, and the whole, it was embarrassing actually but it and um, particularly you know the real maddening part is that there's people on the US side that are going to say well nothing to see that demon Trump why did he take us out of the World Health Organization uh, but it was um it was, to me at least, it. You know, I don't think any more evidence was needed that China is to blame uh, for the virus. But th- this was a a charade that you just wonder how stupid people think we are.
0: Well, the Chinese know, right?
1: Chinese yeah, know, they
0: do. right? They yeah. don't. It's like, look, we make every deal we need to make, and then we won't do it, and then nobody's going to say shit about it, because, and then we're going to use their findings as as vindication, and and. And again, we're going to play Emperor's New Clothes with China. Is anybody is anybody going to go down the road that Australia's going down? Right? We'll teach them a lesson. We'll take care of all of this. And it's, so it's uh it's again it, it's how have we done this show that long yet? You know, this show's going on five years. So we've already we've spanned the Trump administration. But this was what this, when you first started coming on the show. These are the things you used to say. Right, we're playing the emperor's new clothes. It's a charade, right?
1: <laughs> it really hasn't changed. Um, it no, it, it hasn't. You know, which is kind of good because it makes it so easy to figure things out. Um, but it, <laughs> it, it really hasn't. But the the gullibility on our side on the west west side is that hasn't changed a bit. Um, but the threat has gotten bigger. the, the Chinese have. You know they've had that charles atlas bodybuilding you know programming going on in their room and now they're they've come out a while ago and they they are i think you would say ripped um but the, the point is they're, they're they are powerful enough and getting more powerful uh, to the point that they you know can't see why they would would not push why not take what they want you know at some point it's a testosterone driven uh, foreign policy that they've got, and unfortunately, when you we could have stopped it, uh, we didn't. I'm not saying it's too late, but um, it's I don't know sports terms bottom of the seventh, and we're down by six, uh, which isn't quite where you want to be. And you're playing a uh, the old Baltimore Orioles with Brooks Robinson at third, but uh, so we're in uh, we're yeah. in a fix. What
0: um all right um so i want to go up to the korean peninsula now how does uh you know how does the biden administration impact all of that right we've watched this kabuki dance go on um and um how does how does where is mr kim now
1: you know, he, he's where he and his father and his grandfather were. Uh, and they, you know, it really hasn't changed that much. You know, in, in fact, at all, I don't think, in terms of uh, the security equation. Um, what he has got now is he has got more nuclear weapons. He has got missiles that go farther, that are more accurate, and they're working on submarine-launched uh, ballistic missiles, which is a big thing. It's a good thing to have. Uh, so his his capability to hurt us has increased. And he's also, for now at least, he's got a, a fairly um, accommodating administration in power in South Korea, though that has a way of changing. Uh, and also one thing about that is the, when you look at the public opinion polls in South Korea, it's always about you ask them, well, do you want to have the Americans here? And it's like 90% say yes. So even though they have a, a leftist and I would say a pro North Korea, pro China administration uh, in office, that if they do lose the next election, um, that you know South Korea may sort of come come around or come back to at least not you know wanting to roll over for North Korea and the Chinese. Um, but it's, uh, it really hasn't changed. So what does what does a Biden administration do? Now, we've tried practically everything has been tried. The things that have worked, uh, particularly financial sanctions and some fairly strong sanctions against North Korea that implicitly threatened China as well, when those were tried for the, the few months they've been tried, they've actually worked very well. Uh, but then we've decided we don't like success, so we always ease up on it and also sanctions have never really been tried against China. And without doing that, uh, you're going to have a very hard time getting North Korea to change. Uh, so the Biden administration's you know, options are you know, appease North Korea, talk to them, uh, go real hard on them, uh, sanctions-wise, with the, the threat to attack them if we feel threatened, Um, So it's a pretty predictable range of of things they can do, and and I think they're going to probably not do much, is my guess, that they um, won't really put on any strict sanctions or against the Chinese. They will have some talks uh, and they'll just let it sort of muddle along. And in the meantime, North Korea works on that engineering problem of getting longer, more accurate missiles and more nuclear weapons and smaller ones that as well, that you can stick on the, the head of these, the top of these missiles. And it just, it'll, it'll worsen and worsen. But if nothing happens, then the administration can kind of divert its attentions elsewhere and claim that it's got everything under control. But it's a, it's a situation that um, is going to continue with a, you know, as you know, a very dangerous place, a dangerous situation. Uh, And I don't see an end to it, although with these things, sometimes they come to a head really quickly and nobody quite sees it, though everyone says they did afterwards. Uh, (laughs) And You you never know what that is. But but for now, it looks as though it'll just continue um, as is, though, as I said, you really just never know what will happen. And China, of course, is the key to North Korea. They could stop it all tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon if they want it, but they don't want to. Uh, and so how do you solve it without China uh, cracking down or without us cracking down on China and giving them a choice? Do you do business with us and US dollars or do you do business with North Korea, one or the other? And I don't think we're willing to do that. The Trump administration wasn't able to do that either. Uh, once as we've as we've talked about our Wall Street and financial world is just too powerful uh, for that.
0: What about um one of the countries that that I think becomes more and more and more uh impressive is uh or not is impressive the right word? No. Is um critical to American um posturing in the region is the Philippines. And uh he is his own curious enigma of a human being. Um uh how does all this um, you know, he he was not president Obama's greatest fan. Um, (laughs) how do you, how do you see, um, how do you see the Philippines, which, you know, we talked about, um, you know, the, you know, the Marine Corps plan and, um, it would certainly be a lot easier to execute with a, with good diplomatic relations with Vietnam, where we could be on terra firma and not be anchored to those. Again, I don't know who conceives this shit, but if the the United States doesn't think that the Chinese quote-unquote fishing fleet is not going to be all over every marine ship in the region and have the ability to stay with them relative to speed, you're crazy. They will be specifically designed to do that. So, um, anyway, um, for our conversations, it's a lot easier to do the things the Marine Corps is talking about doing when you're ashore in the Philippines, when you're ashore in Vietnam, when you're ashore in Malaysia, right? Um, but the Philippines is its own unique kind of an event. What is it too early to tell? Is it just, um, is it just, we will have to wait and see as the Biden administration, you know, solves it, the, the Ouija board and, uh, and starts laying its pieces on the table, then Mr. Duterte will go ahead and, and do what he does?
1: I think he will. Duterte is what he is. It, it, you know, he can't help it. Um, and what you're talking about, was, I think, was his demand the other day that the Americans should be paying him, uh, paying the Philippines, and paying them a lot more. Uh, for letting us protect the Philippines. Um, Hello. You know, the guy, yeah, the guy. Kind of, he's kind of a nut, but you know, he is the president, and uh, he'll be there. I guess what a couple more years or so, not, or however long. It's not forever, hopefully. Um, but you, you kind of have to just sort of back off and let him talk himself out, and and then try to deal with the the normal Filipinos who are embarrassed by. By what the President says, and try to help out where you can and 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 see keep the thing from blowing up uh, before uh, say a, a more normal president uh, takes office in the Philippines do you think really... that
0: do you think that will happen? Do you think he'll run again? Do you think he'll be reelected? I mean, I mean, I see articles that talk about, you know, the you know the Harvard and Yaleys of the Philippines are are tremendously embarrassed by. Right. their rogue president. But I don't see that coming. I don't see a whole lot of stories saying that the Philippine Filipino people are.
1: You know, it depends on which, like any society, depends on who you're talking about. And uh, the press usually talks about whoever will talk to them or whoever they like. But there's always been, as you you say, Duterte has a lot of support and it's in part of the society that uh, appreciates his crackdown on crime. Uh, such as it is but you know he he, and that's what they vote on and then there's a lot of them people who don't like him uh in general there isn't any great love for the chinese and he has really accommodated them and they have not really delivered other than to pump in three or four million chinese people into the philippines uh, and take over a few business areas but the uh So there's a lot of opposition to that as well, but the how it actually plays out, you know, is always hard to say. But sometimes it's best just to let him. I I don't like the word vent, but let him talk, uh, and you know, and see what the Chinese give him, which is nothing, Um, and then you'll see he has backed off when he's had to. The military does have an opinion about this as well, and there are people within the Philippine ruling elite who have. Uh, some pressure, uh, power or pressure to put on Duterte as well. And he kind of admits as much now and then saying, well, there's not much I can. you know, there's a limit to what I can do. Um, but he it hasn't been a you know, really a good uh, situation, uh, given the Chinese threat, um, but it, it isn't lost yet. Uh, so if we can, I think, play for a little time and you know, take our openings where, where we have them uh, with the Philippines and that it might sort of work itself out, you know. You, you know, you talk about these things, and you then you know, you think about, well, how do you fix it? And you can kind of sympathize uh, with the the people in the new administration or in any administration. Just getting anything done uh, somewhere can be uh, can be kind of tricky. Uh, but at the same time, it would be useful. One of the funny things is that you know, there's so much talk about. Um, mr trump having destroyed our relations in asia and now that biden and the democrats are back and the foreign policy whiz kids are back that everything's going to get better but you know there's that's one not true and but if you look at the philippines in particular uh, let me ask you a
0: question Uh, would you have ever thought that you would be a fan of donald trump's foreign policy when, when this whole thing started
1: When I saw who was advising him, I did. Uh, when I saw the people he had brought on board,
0: namely, uh, then I,
1: uh, well, Matt Pottinger, you know, comes immediately to mind. There was Katie McFarland as well uh, in there, and uh, even McMaster, you know, was H.R. Uh, McMaster was was good in right. and but Matt Pottinger in particular, uh, you know, he's the guy that he's a Marine, by the way, and he's the one who. Uh, had worked in China for many years as a Wall Street Journal reporter and then joined the Marines. He got an age waiver to do it uh, and did very well. But he so worked in China, knows the Chinese Communist Party, and he knows what a, a punch in the face from uh, Chinese secret police is. And so, he, he one, he has some real experience. He knows something of history and human nature. Uh, and his experience, and so his expertise comes from things he's actually done as opposed to having a master's degree in international relations and worked in a DC think tank uh, so when i saw he was there i knew that our odds had improved probably 100% <laughs> and, and he and he still he went made it through the whole the whole administration uh, but he's also was also the kind of guy that you know that can bring people together i mean people like him and in D.C., that's a hard, that's a useful skill to have, and it's a very rare one. But he, when I saw him, and as I said, I mentioned some others, that uh, they, he, big mistake not to bring in even more people. Uh, but I thought Trump would actually, could actually do a pretty good job. It was hard to see how much worse they could do. Um, and I'm not being, being mean, because uh, I would add in the, the George Bush administration uh, into that category as well but you know, having been in the region for so long and having seen our the situ, the, the fix we were in that i th- you know it was a sense well, how much worse could it be and then you'd look who who they brought in um, to run asia things and you thought well we've got a chance here and, and i think we did so um, was it's tough you know it's tough work no matter um, but that was the but did i ever see mr trump as president um, no, I, I must say I didn't, but sometimes it happens, and at that, that point, you know, that he's the boss, and you've got to hope they do well. Uh, what about, to, um,
0: me. let me ask you another question, Grant. So in the region, you're speaking today, right, and, and you're speaking at a forum on Taiwan. What, what, what exactly um, are you speaking? What are you doing?
1: I'm on i um, I'm told the. I'm told it's a dirty word on a webinar. Oh, webinar! Like yeah,
0: a, congratulations.
1: It's like, a, it's like a seminar where they don't pay you a plane ticket and a small. Yeah, you can't go to the local.
0: Person. You can't go to the local go-go bars.
1: No, it's like being on um, all marine radio now that I think about it. <laughs> exactly. But it, but it's not as fun.
0: Exactly, um, without the humor and the profanity. Um, right. So, and That's, the sub, the subject is going to be what?
1: Um, it's about Taiwan, of course, and it's um, uh, looking at everything from the military angle. You know the you know can you know can China you know take Taiwan? How would they do it? What are their prospects? But where am The part I've been particularly asked to look at is you know what happens if they do because that doesn't get so much attention. What gets a lot of attention is sort of the Um, you know, the before and during parts of the scenario. But nobody thinks as much about, well, what happens if they do win? And there's particularly, you know, what sort of military advantage would uh, occupying Taiwan give the Chinese? Uh, And the other part of that is if it happens, there's a psychological and political aspect. um, What would the other countries in Asia do? You know there's that old expression asia turns red you know would asia turn red if taiwan was taken by the the prc and so that's the part that i'll be uh, talking about um and it's um uh, but it's an hour so and there's only two panelists so i always think i'll have about six minutes of stuff to say but it turns out once i get up ahead of steam it generally fills up
0: you normally don't have time filling up the airways. I, I can attest to that.
1: Mm, well, we'll see. But that's that's what I'm <laughs> uh, you know on about. I'll be uh, bloviating um, about later on.
0: Smartly, smartly. Um, what's uh, what's the number one domestic issue seen from afar that intrigues you? Are you intrigued by our uh, our uh, the world's worst insurrection? Are you intrigued by that at all? Um, What uh, what's gone on that that, that uh, domestically that that has caught your attention?
1: I would say a, um, a systematic effort by a committed group of radicals with a clear plan in mind to uh, transform the United States and. As part of that, it's to seize power, seize every lever of power and control and to bring a once free people into submission. Uh, that, you know, is something I would re- I wish I was watching it from outer space rather than somewhere on this planet. Um, but that's what that's what it looks to me. And I uh, don't like what I see. You know, I must say it. so. Um, wait, wait, wait. Who are you
0: talking troubling. about? Are you talking about the people at the Capitol that day?
1: Those bozos no, no, not at all, uh, cool. no that and you used the word insurrection as well, I understand the, right. the 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 nuance you had and it that was not an insurrection. it was a bunch of clowns uh, confronting keystone cops, uh, and that's what we know of. There may have been more to it, um, uh, but it, that was not an insurrection. Uh, the insurrection started. Last summer, well, I would say before that, but when you saw rioting in the streets, uh, organized rioting, planned, etc., and you saw nobody stopping it, none of the authorities, the people whose responsibility it was, did did anything. Um, that uh, pretty quickly was obvious that was not entirely spontaneous and that there was something behind it all. Uh, so that's what I'm getting at, um, and not not anything that happened on, on January 6th. Uh, so that's actually what I see. And you know, I think like anyone has been around a while, been around the world and studied and thought about stuff and even seen a few countries go under and even maybe had a little role in bringing one of them apart, um, that you see how it's, what I see looks distressingly familiar. I'll put it that way. And like,
0: the- like what? The you know, to me one of the things that totalitarian states do is um they control the media. They control the narrative, right? And in the United States, I mean I would tell you that that you know, between big technology uh what we see is um is a is control of the media by um People that no longer believe in 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 what journalism has historically been in the United States, they believe their primary duty as journalists is to be advocates, which is stunning to watch on a, on a daily basis. Stunning to watch. And then the, the um I, I I had somebody tell me that I should put something in my presentation about this thing called the Mandalorian, so I watched this Star Wars spinoff called the Mandalorian, and I see this girl who just got fired from the show because she said um, and, and she didn't make crazy statements. She just said, Hey, you know, the irregularities in the election, blah, 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 blah. She made a very, what I would say, mainstream conservative statement about the election and she got fired. Right. She got fired for that. And so it's stunning to see, you know, this, I think gripped the nation in a way that I've never seen anything like this grip the nation in my lifetime. Right? I mean, even during Vietnam, when we were young, Grant, right, you heard, look, I don't agree with what they have to say, but I'll defend their right to say it. You heard that. You didn't hear you don't have any right to say it, and I'll fight you and your right to say it. I, I, you didn't hear that. And so it's a, I, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. And I mercifully haven't been able to watch it for the last three weeks. Um, and, but I do think it's something that the nation will go through, that the nation will come out of when it, when it's had its fill of it. And, uh, until it has its fill, until it reacts the other way, we're stuck watching this. I I don't even know what to call it. This craziness on a daily basis. What would you call it, Grant?
1: Um, life in Baltimore. (laughs) But but you you asked, you know, what else is it that that troubles me is the one, the effort to go after police, law enforcement, uh, to rein that in, go after the legal profession so that people will not uh, defend somebody that the one side considers the enemy. Uh, You have an effort to get permanent one party rule, you know, guarantee that you will win every election uh, forever. Uh, you have uh, the physical controls that are put on people that we've seen with this virus thing that were supposed to just be for a few days for a week just to get the, what was it, that the, the curve, flatten the curve? Yeah, flatten the curve. That was a long time ago, and there's no right. sign of stopping that. So you, you, know, you control people, uh, their, their movement, their, what they say, you know, where they, um, uh, who they can associate with. Um, and then you you go after the military uh, as well. And th- this is not the this isn't the first country this has happened in. And it's you know you, as I say it looks like a textbook being followed. And then if you can demonize an entire faction, entire part of your population, uh, and characterize them as the enemy that needs controlled, otherwise there won't be security and safety for the. The, the good people. And how, if, if you can tell me how this is different than what the Germans did back to the Jews in the 30s, they don't make the case. I don't understand it at all. But when you demonize uh, anybody, but particularly half your population, you're asking for trouble. Um, or, or, you know, I would say you can see what is being done, you know, and how people are, you know, how this effort is playing out. Uh, and, you know, it's... Um, this is like Northern Ireland, but not as nice. But, so that's what I see, you know, and, and I hope I'm wrong, but, um, but it does look a lot like Chicago politics at a national level, but with a whole, with a much, much more threatening and sinister uh, bent to it. And, and I'm uh, concerned with what I see.
0: And that threatening, sinister bent would be the union of uh, big social media, big technology and the Democratic Party?
1: Well, that's your infor- That's one of the ways you enforce it. It's the way you get this, you know, thought control uh, in place. Um, and any time that somebody says talking, you know, hear the talk about re-education camps, deprogramming, uh, as if people who supported the Republican Party are evil people who need to be I- imprisoned. Well, no, and- I mean, the, I, I I haven't been,
0: been paid that much attention to the news, but I saw that headline. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's been—I've heard that a number of times by <laughs> the you know, hell? politician. And yeah, that's you know, what do you what does one say? You know, when you hear it, you know, especially you know people like us and probably every one of your listeners who's actually you know offered to go die for this country. That when you hear that sort of thing, and it is not slapped down, uh, and the people who said it, you know, just banished. That when you hear that, it you know it does get one's attention, and it is troubling. And I will not I won't accept well, they're just mouthing off. It's um I think that is the thought. And I noticed this getting started probably thirty years ago when there was very much a sense that if you didn't agree with one side and it's the uh, the Democrats, basically, that that you were evil. And this has just played out faster than I thought it would. And um, so that's what I see. You know, and I, I could be wrong. So you can see why I consider contemplating, war with china to be a lot more uplifting than u.s uh, politics
0: interesting it's, no let me tell you i i, I it, it's stunning to watch it's stunning to watch and uh, and and just the things that that go on on a on a daily on a daily basis and you you sit there and watch it and you think you gotta be kidding me like when are the adults coming home to put this the house in order you know when is this going to stop? And it, it just doesn't seem to. It just doesn't seem to. The um, what's a, what's the next thing you're going to write, Grant?
1: Oh, I, I just finished something that that um, was seven thousand words long. Um,
0: Whoa, is, uh, seven thousand! Uh, uh, Who the hell's
1: publishing that? The um, Center for Security Policy. But oh, it's about there you what go. It's about what I just talked about was the. Uh, um, What happens if Taiwan falls? Does Asia turn red? And, you know, you find that when you write your usual things about 1,200 words, that you you get used to thinking in these little snippets. And so having to string together a long thing is really very difficult because, as I say, mentally you're just so used to, uh, you know, any idea I have is about four words, maybe five. So (laughs) it's... uh, you know, sort of that's like, uh, why this like, is
0: always such a big challenge for you to come on and talk for about an hour or more
1: well it kind of is yeah. yeah if it was just you know what do you think oh, it sucks so oh, okay well that's um that's a lot easier um, but it so the writing was kind of tough I um, uh, to do but it I think it turned out should be interesting enough um, and then the I think the next thing I have in mind is the uh, you know I always found it funny that remember um, there was a well, I'm not going to name names, but it's funny how senior retired military officers consider they get into the climatology business and they take on climate change as, their, uh, as the big thing. So um, I think um, the new secretary of defense appears to be uh, the latest in a line of famous climatologists. One of them have, uh, was a Marine actually way back. And uh, so I'm going to sort of write something a little funny about that. Hey, the we have the department. phrase,
0: every climb in place in our song. I think that title entitles us to a little bit of expertise vis-a-vis the world's climate. Yes or no?
1: Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, then I'm going to have to think of some other topic. No, I, I'll get over that. No, um, no, the, the, huh? the, uh, sometimes stories, they write themselves as comedy. And this is one of them. So it's uh,
0: unbelievable. um, No, it's unbelievable. That and the pursuit of our pursuit of extremists in in the active force.
1: That's right. I mean, this is,
0: this is act two of uh, Marines United, right? Yes. There are a small amount of idiots that are doing this. The 99% plus are go about their jobs on a daily basis, do what they're supposed to do but we're going to have a meltdown for political reasons on TV. It could be a big production because there's naked pictures of people flying around. And I'm not saying people didn't do anything wrong, but the whole extent of it was overblown and overstated. And then, you know, with politicians standing up pounding tables, right. And general Nellers sitting there taking it on. And when, you know, I think it was Senator Gillibrand said, this is one of the worst days in Marine Corps history, you know, (laughs) What he should have said was, Well, Senator, let me be honest with you. You know, there were some dark days at the Chosen Reservoir. Uh you know, October twenty-third, nineteen eighty-three was another dark day when we lost two hundred and uh, you know, sixty-three Marines, sailors, and other people. Um, I this is embarrassing, without a doubt. Uh we're gonna get this right. But in terms of dark days for this service, truth be told, we've had much darker. He didn't say that. A lot of people were not pleased with them. And so and so it goes. And so it goes. Climate change, yeah, we're all worried about that. Same thing with with extremism. We need to find off all, all, all nine of those people and get their asses out of here. And again, when you go to it, just like that stupid event in January, right? It's a bunch of idiots. It's a bu- When you run an insurrection, you don't run away from the cops, especially the Capitol Police. Trust me. If if that's your bent, is 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 insurrection? When the Keystone cops show up. You don't run away. You stay and you insurrect because you're running an insurrection. That's what you do. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just stupid and painful to watch. And, again, when are the adults going to show up? Please show up and rescue us from this shit. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime
1: soon. Uh, yeah, I don't see it. You know, the uh, and go, what's going on with the military? You know, it does... It r- reminds me of what I've read about, you know, went on with Nikki Romanov's army in 1915 or so, uh, the old last czar of Russia,
2: right.
1: that this is not good. Uh, you know, one thing, the mil- U.S. military, I think, is the only real meritocracy and only sort of only organization where Americans of all sorts have actually gotten together and uh, looked at each other as Americans. Uh, and it's probably done more for social advancement of everybody than than any other organization or government program that's ever existed so to cr- try and characterize it as this hotbed of whatever you want to extremism of a certain type there appears to be acceptable extremism uh that this is ridiculous it's ridiculous but it also is incredibly dangerous to my way of thinking um, so you know it's uh We'll see how we get out of this one. But you no, know, I, so I I'm just uh, delighted to have the Chinese to distract my attention.
0: Nice, nice. But you would not call yourself cautiously pessimis- pessimistic yet?
1: I'm. Uh, take out the cautiously. Um, <laughs> I'm pessimistic. That's how, I'm afraid that's how. Uh, about the Chinese, that, um, we've at the least got a chance. Right. What we're doing to ourselves. Um, as they take out the cautiously.
0: Got it. Um, and, but I mean, but again, you have to, yeah. it's an act we've seen before, though, right?
1: Not, you know, if I was if we like if we were two hundred fifty years old, we could probably name three or four times that were worse. But I, I don't know, you know, th- this seems well, different for some reason. I can't put my finger but in. I was I think g- I, th- what I
0: meant to say is we've seen the act that everybody's worried about the Biden administration putting on. We've seen this act before in the Bush administrations, Mm -hmm. the Obama administrations. We've seen this before. But what's changed in front of us is China has changed. They're more formidable. And to go ahead and and get back on your knees again and say, you know, um, yeah, do uh, do with the region what you will. Just please let us do business in this unfair trade agreement we have where you're running a $350 billion surplus and everybody's okay with that. That's if you want to, as as you've said on this program, you could have a deal anytime you want. Just go ahead and get on your knees to make it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. there's just something. And, you know, they, you know, as I noted, you know, when you're dealing with a really tough, scary guy who's looking for a fight or is willing to start one, that if you're not able to match him, that you're going to lose. And I'm not sure that we're willing to match them. The fallback position, of course, with a lot of these, uh, the people who do the policies is that when they fail, it's Lance corporals and sailors who go die in large numbers uh, to make up for their incompetence. So it's, you know, just may be that it's a lot of good young Americans who pay for the pay for those people's mistakes and save the day. Uh, That would Kind of add a little cautiously pessimist. of I add the cautiously to the pessimistic, uh, that we, you know, we do have something to work with, and we, we've got you know people who will uh, go fight to defend the country when you know the their betters in Washington have blown things and put it in, a, put us in a fix that they somebody needs to to come save us, and you know hopefully it'll you know be the Marines and the Sailors and the Army and the Air Force who, and Coast Guard that do it. Yeah, but as as you said before,
0: before. as you said, as you said quite rightly, that when, uh, you know, when these things go wrong, it's not those people that are that are paying for it. What they tend to do is they tend to write a book later and make millions of dollars on it, like Don Rumsfeld has done, like Paul Wolfowitz has done, like George Bush has done. Right. That's what they do. They fuck it up and then they then they write their books. I, I think that if you preside over bad foreign policy decisions. There should be a special foreign policy court that I should be the judge of. And I will decide. If you fuck this thing up, you're going to Devil's Island. You're not allowed to write a book. And your family's going with you. So think twice before you do stupid shit. Think twice because we will send you to Devil's Island. Not a pleasant place. And your wife and your kids are going with you. It's it's going to be some serious ass pain. So... But you're not going to be allowed to write books and 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 show up for shit. I, uh, Grant, I have to tell you, for the inauguration, Bill Clinton walks out, Hillary Clinton walks out, George Bush walks out. I'm like retching all over my office, you know. And it's just you walk. It's like a it's like a a a parade of fools that walks out there, right? But. I don't
1: know. Well, it is what it is. It's, it's not at least not Robert Mugabe walking out. There I don't know that I would send them to Devil's Island. But oh, what a pansy.
0: Of- what would you do? Allow them to write their books and make millions after they, mm-hmm. after they, they, they make stupid decisions, and then they wash their hands of it, and then they go home to wherever the hell they go home?
1: Well, I don't know, like thirty miles up the Baltimore-Washington oh Parkway. God, that dear. would be that would do it. But no, it um, would
0: not. No, it's not enough. My point it's not <laughs> enough.
1: <laughs> well, that is enough. But that no, is it's not.
0: Even but even that, that shithole I, is not enough.
1: <laughs> I'm joking, but the, no, I, I had always I know what you mean, and that's why I was getting at um, is that. But I would had always thought just as a, a rough estimate, like twenty years at Mother Teresa's in Calcutta, you know washing uh, lepers feet you know or what what have you uh, now that, that's I'd an like, idea you know i'd like to see somebody say man i just once say, man i screwed up i'm sorry i'm going to spend the next 20 years doing charitable work uh, and i'm going to return my pension and blah blah and this and that but no they're just it seems to be you the more you fail the richer you get and once again it is the it's the lance corporals and the sailors and and the others who you know, they're the ones who get called in to, to save things. And we've been fortunate up to this point that they have prevailed after much suffering. Uh, but, you know, you wonder just how many times you're going to well, pull through. So, so the know. thing
0: that's changed is in, in the Western Pacific is, make no mistake about it, China's more formidable. North Korea's closer to a nuclear weapon. And that is what whatever whatever time that Barack Obama had, that George Bush had, Joe Biden has much less time. And at some point, right, the energy fields are going to cross in the Western Pacific. And then if the United States and its allies aren't prepared, then you're going to have a a pretty interesting little event that will change the course of the world.
1: I think so. I think it would be that serious. And the the North Koreans do have nuclear weapons, of course, already, but it's getting them into form they can, you know, get them to the U.S. Uh, But the, you know, that's, it is going to be a big deal. And if the, this administration is going to have to very soon demonstrate that it is ruthless and cold-blooded enough to go to war if necessary. But if the idea is we can work it out, or or if the other side gets the sense that you're you know, just a blowhard and like an old guy who doesn't know what's going on. And you're surrounded by people who used to do a lot of business with the Chinese uh, and have presided over failed foreign policies towards China in recent years that um, if they think that they've got a pushover on their hands, well, then it's going to to get rough. Uh, So this administration doesn't have so much time to, I think, to make its mark. And and I hope it, it can uh, I think that you know everyone does. You know, I was thinking the other day that you know, and, you know, like all of us, we've, you know, we've served in the military during a number of administrations, and some of them the we voted for the president, some we didn't. But you know, I was thinking about it, and I really didn't care. It didn't make any difference. You know, who was the president? You know, you, you know, you, you did what the country asked, and that's uh, sort of how I look at it now. I. I i do hope the new guys do a a good job Uh, it is early but um, sometimes you uh you have to produce really fast and this may be one such uh, administration
0: got it grant first of all thank you very much uh it was it was too long but uh i was doing good things so i hope you don't mind but uh thank you very much for for coming on this morning and so we will. Uh, is there any? Is there any event upcoming that we should keep our eye on? Uh, you know, uh, our eye out for. Is there a decision? Is there a conference? Is there something on the horizon that you would say keep your eye on this? Or no?
1: Oh boy, there. They're, um,
0: okay, if you have to think about it, then the answer is no.
1: Yeah, the, it already happened. One, one was. Um, Biden, Mr. President Biden's um, conversation with Xi Jinping, Um, but that didn't really tell us all that much. Um, No, it seems like there's going to be a bunch of little things that happen, Uh, but I can't think of the big thing.
0: Okay. Um, I
1: think think the other side's sort of holding back to see what see what they can get uh, before they have to play hardball. Got it. That'd be my, is one way to look at it.
0: All right. All right, sir. Thank you very much for the visit. Mm
1: -hmm. Sure. Okay. Glad to to weigh in.
0: There you have it. Grant Newsham. Thanks, Grant.
1: Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: That'll do it on a Wednesday hump day. So I will get Ken and Betty on, and then you're, I'll let you know where you can watch the uh, documentary. And and here's what I would tell you: it is a uh, it's a pretty sober look at what it is to care for somebody who deals with trauma. And again, it's uh, the, the trauma that they're talking about comes from a war. Just know this, that trauma can come from a whole variety of, of, of venues and experiences in life. And so to me, what the, what the documentary is great for is maybe recommending it to somebody and saying, okay, so unless you want to go down the road that many of these families have had to go down, you have to change. To quote, to, to quote a Marine veteran, a Marine Vietnam veteran, I have to be better. That doesn't come without hard work. And what I want to tell you is that you can do it. You can absolutely positively do it, but it is hard work. It's dedicated hard work to live a better life. It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to keep riding your motorcycle, keep drinking, and all that shit. If you're going to be the person that you want to be, it's going to come at with effort. And it's out there for you to live not only a good life, but a great life. But it takes concerted effort. And post-traumatic winning is a path that leads you to that great place, to that great life. And so to me, you know, I might start doing this. I might start recommending the documentary, Watch This First and then watch this how about that yeah boom so anyway have a great Wednesday once again don't be afraid to change somebody's life and my program which is supposed to be an hour busted it once again so I'm not sure I'm capable of doing <laughs> doing it shorter but I'm trying have a great day uh, go change somebody's life I'm out